0: Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. And so the verse of the day today is this one here out of Psalms 106. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. It says, his faithful love endures Forever. I I say God is good literally every service I'm here. I tell you, if you don't know what to pray, just say God is good all the time. Start there and move from there. People ask me, "Is is this scriptural? Like literally every book of the Bible says God is good in like 50 places. Here it is again in Psalms. It literally says, for he is good. How long is he good? Is he just good for today? Tomorrow, is he just good sometimes? It literally says his love endures forever. You see, God is forever. There's no beginning. There is no end. In fact, the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we can look back, Brother Fred, into the Old Testament and see what God did. And it's going to apply to us today. We can look at what God was doing during Jesus' time, and it would apply to us today. We can see what the kids are doing and learning back then, what God is doing in Sunday school and VBS, and it will apply to us today because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is not the same for you and me. That is not the same for the world we live in. In fact, it seems like life is always changing. Like this picture shows, the seasons are changing. We go from bare trees to some leaves to green to colorful trees. It seems like every season we go through, something's changing, whether it's the decades we pass through or going into adulthood or, or going into being a grandfather. Life is always in the process of changing. And we, we are supposed to be changing. We're supposed to be more like him. Amen. And so, inevitably, change is coming. So this series is the Life Is series. We keep saying, what is life all about? What can we learn about life through the Bible? and What can we learn about living life through what the kids are learning at VBS? So this is the Life Is series. The first part was life is unfair. You know life's unfair? If you have kids, you know that they say life's unfair like literally every day. Right, right, Jeremy? Then last week, we studied life is scary. Yeah, there could be scary moments in life. Whether you're a child or you're an adult, life can be scary. And this week, we are going to be talking about life. Well, life is, is change. If it's not just change, it's sure full of lots of change. Life is full of change. But, but what? But God is good no one no one yeah amen no one really really likes change i haven't met anybody that that's you know really likes change. you know we're humans we're we're creatures of habit probably men more than women you prefer sort of things just a a certain way that doesn't mean we don't like variety variety and change are different things variety is like i want to eat different things for dinner i want to watch my sports team play different sports teams you know that i want to wear different color shirts that's variety but not change. I still want to watch sports. I still want to eat dinner, and I want my shirts in the same place, right? So, so we are creatures of habit, and change can get all up in our spiritual walk and create all sorts of havoc. And so we're reminding ourselves today that God is good despite what change is going on in your life. Amen. Amen. So as we're thinking about Father's Day, and I'm thinking about men, I'm just thinking about a couple of things to point to change in men. You know, men, you know, I think, as I think about this, because, you know, I happen to be one, I realize, man, you know, we don't like a lot of change at all. In fact, you know, as I've gotten older, just even learning something new is a problem. I know what I can do. I know what I can and I can't do. I know what I can do with outside in the yard. I know what I can do in the kitchen. I know what I can do in the garage. I know what I can do and what I can't do. And so when problems come up and now I have to learn something new, that can be a little scary. That can be a little frustrating and I'd rather just be comfortable and not learn something new. We constantly push ourselves but what my point is when change comes and we have to learn something new we get kind of irritable and grumpy. "Ah, I don't know if I can do that. Or what about our stuff? Men are really particular about their stuff. My children are old enough now they can literally go into my closet and take clothes out and start wearing them. Shoes, socks, socks, My littlest one, my biggest one, it doesn't matter. So I don't like this change. No one told me this was going to happen. I need to lock my closet. Or what about, you know, as a married couple, my wife and I, we have a schedule, and she does certain things around the home. She does certain things for me. And when she's on that schedule, what happens when she has to change that schedule? Men, do we like that? Mm. We love not knowing what time is dinner. We love not knowing what we have to do when we get home. We love not knowing how late we have to go to bed. No, we don't love that stuff. We don't like change. That's kind of the creature of habit. Amen. Are you tracking? Oh, we got some of them tracking. Right, let's talk about parenting for a second. So as a parent, I was thinking here today, I was thinking, what kind of change happens as parents? We have young and old parents here, and we have parents-to-be. And I was thinking, look, just becoming a parent involves change. When infants come, there's a new schedule, and that can wreak havoc on you. And then there's, how do you say this, new duties. Yeah, somebody got it. Yeah, there's, you got, there's all sorts of things you got to do now. You got to change diapers. You got to buy diapers. You got to stock diapers. And there's a lot of diapers involved. You got to throw diapers away. You got to throw trash bags. There's a whole new set of duties you have to do. And it, as soon as you figure that out, they become toddlers. And when they're toddlers, there's a whole new attention pattern that happens now. Basically, to clue you in, if you haven't gotten to the stage, it means you get no attention. All the attention goes to the children, all of them. Mom gives all the attention to children, the children give all the attention to mom. And then you find out through this attention cycle that they don't love you as much as they love mom. Right, happy Father's Day. So then after you figure out how to deal with that and cope with that, then there's the preteen stage. Now you realize that your kids have a whole new access to emotion. Where did these emotions come from? How could you go from very happy to very sad? We were just high-fiving, and now you're screaming, what is wrong? It seems like drama is daily. Once you process the preteen stage, they go into the teenager stage, and guess what you're in store for? More change. And not just change, they want dollar bills. They got their hands out, and they want you to pour into it. They say, give me money, give me money. And in that change, we, as fathers, we're good at sort of managing protect the infant, protect the toddler, protect the preteen. Now they're a teenager, and you're exposed to a whole new world. Of danger. How do we deal with this? Life is full of change. Is God still good? So that's the real question today. As we look at change, what happens when those changes go from good life to bad life? How do we handle that? How do we manage that? When life is fine, life is good, and then we get some bad news. We figured everything out and we, we have our schedule for the year and we're going to do vacations, we're going to do these certain things and then we find out one of the parents has a pay cut. Can't afford to do it anymore. Or maybe we love our doctors and we have some kids that go to special doctors or we go to special doctors and we uh, our company changes the insurance plan and now we can't go to those doctors and we can't go to the places that we normally go to for care. Or a car doesn't start in the morning and now we need a new starter or worse. Can God use this? Can God still show his glory despite all of this change? Of course the answer is yes. You guys have tons and tons of examples of this. This morning is to remind you and all of the children that despite what change is going on in our life, God is still good. So everyone says, yeah, amen, okay. Let's make it a little more spiritual. Let's just try. How about... How about when um, the church that you love and you've been through, you grew up in, you, you got married in, you had children, what happens when that church begins to change? How about when they get a new pastor? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have new pastors, pesky pastors. Is God still good then? Okay, okay. H- how, about, how about when that new pastor invites a new speaker to speak? Is God still good then? How about when the new pastor invites the worship leader to sing some new songs or sing them differently? Is God still good then? How about when we come to church and we're not experiencing God the way we were 10 years ago, we're experiencing Him differently, is God still good then? See, let's continue to take a look at this. Because as I look at the the saying for today, life is full of change, but God is good. You know me, I really want to focus on the but. But God is good. We know God is good, and we, we go through all these life changes, and it can be scary, and it can be unfair, and it can be uncertain. You know, Miss Angie, I was listening to your testimony. We talked, I heard about it, and then you came up, and, and you started sharing it with the church, and for those who don't know, last week she shared her testimony about her heart situation and how God intervened, and she shared all sorts of details, and, and as I was listening to it, it wasn't so much the details around a, a healing service or a healing pastor or a healing message that she got. It wasn't even so much that God actually healed her. Because I've seen God heal people, amen? Amen? You believe God can heal, amen? I don't care if it's the morning of the surgery. I don't care if it's the morning of the procedure. God can heal, amen? That's not what caught me about your testimony. I know you're in the middle of a lot of change. You talked to Miss Angie and here, she's in a lot of change. But she said something in the middle of her testimony that was a big but for me. I don't even know if you used the word but, but that's what I heard. You said, life's going through all these changes. I you know, lost my husband and my, my family. It's, just, it's, a, it's a struggle and my job and now my health. You said all these things and you had an implied but. She said, but I wake up every morning. That's a start. You still have breath in your lungs. And she said, I wake up every morning. And I ask the Holy Spirit to have his way in my life. You see, this is what we're talking about. If you get anything from this sermon, it's this. Regardless of what life throws at you, invite the Holy Spirit in to guide you and provide for you and to protect you. As you do that, you will experience a whole different walk of life than you've ever experienced before. And Miss Angie, it started with that. It wasn't just one service or one prayer or one pastor. It's a life of asking the Holy Spirit to be in your life and do something. And you gave the Holy Spirit that opportunity that morning. He says, now I'm up. Now it's my turn. Watch me work. And that's what I was talking about in these sermons, right? When life is unfair, life is scary. Like, watch God's work. You heard God work last week with the plagues. He said, let me show you my power, 10 plagues. And he completely changed the landscape in Egypt. And that's what we were talking about. We're in the Old Testament. We're talking about Genesis and and Exodus. And in Genesis, you have all these stories: Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then you have Joseph. And Joseph gets cast away from his brothers, And, and then he's he's got all these crazy situations, and he's ultimately put in with the Pharaoh, and he's in charge of the land. And when they go through a drought, he's able to feed everybody. And his story is a story, it's a story of getting out of one trouble, getting into another trouble. Constantly, until the whole land is starving, and he can help provide for them. And then it seems like a great end of the story. then Exodus happens, and him and all his family die, just completely die. And now there's a new generation, and they're rising up and Pharaoh tries to come a new Pharaoh tries to come against them, but, but they continue to grow, and, and all sorts of things happen that you see God move and in God's change. And so the title of this message is called, "Out of the Frying Pan." and into the, let's let that settle in for a second, because if you're alive today, and you've walked with God for any amount of time, and you've been through change, you probably feel the reality of when you go through change, especially when it's bad change, it often seems like you get through the frying pan, and you end up in the I mean, she gave her testimony. She's told you about her life. It just seems like one frying pan to one fire to one fire. It goes on and on like that sometimes. Exodus, Genesis is all about that. Joseph and Moses and Jacob. The main point here is it's inevitable, guys. You're going to be in the frying pan at times. And God may take you out of the frying pan. You may find yourself quite literally in the fire. Didn't He do this for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? On and on again. So let's talk about our own lives. Maybe, maybe you found out you needed surgery. You pray for it. You go through it. You recover well out of the frying pan. Doctor comes in and says, now you need a second surgery or you need intense rehab into the fire. Maybe you have a plan to pay off debt. And then that pay cut comes out of the frying pan into the fire. Maybe as husbands, you realize something's not quite right in your marriage and you say to yourself, you know, I've really got to get us out of the frying pan so I need to talk to my wife, we need to open up, we need to share our feelings and share our emotions. Then you do that and she does. She shares everything and you go, oh my goodness, I'm in the fire now and then she shares all these things that you need to do to change to make the marriage better and you're like, oh my goodness, we went out of one into the other. This is life, guys. This is the reality. This is what the kids are learning. Not quite at this level, but they have change in school, and they have change with their teachers and change with their friends. They're about to go through a massive change here over the summer. It's hard. It's hard. So now let's go back and look at the story. The story goes, the Egyptian people, as they grew and grew and grew into almost a million people, As they were growing, the Pharaoh enslaved them and made them do terrible things like make giant bricks and do all their manual labor. And he tortured them and he beat them down and he held them in bondage. And they prayed and cried out to God, get me out of the frying pan. Then Moses decided to kill all the firstborn children. The midwives helped them out of that situation. Moses was spared. Moses finds out that he is the one to lead them out into the promised land. He's to lead them out of slavery. He's not a warrior. He's not trained. He's got no weapons. He only has his voice, and he's not even a good speaker. And he's tasked with going to the king and convincing him to leave his people alone. Chris preached this message last week, and we find out about the ten plagues that God ushered down onto the Egyptian people to show God's power. Yeah, I imagine as those plagues were coming, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how Moses gets the message out to a million people. There's no Instagram. There's no Twitter. There's no Facebook. It's word of mouth. I'm sure the first couple thousand or 100,000 got the message. What about the other 900,000 when it's raining frogs, right? Right? When the river's turning to blood, when they're getting bulls over their body. I mean, are they getting the message that this is actually a good thing? I don't know. any of those things sound like a good thing? Not to me, Pastor Chris. So they get through all of these plagues. Finally, the Passover. And I don't remember if you said this last week, but effectively the Pharisees, please get out of my land. Take you, all of your nasty plagues, and your crazy God, and get out of here out of the frying, I can't imagine what they were thinking. Finally, no more slavery. Where do you take a million people, by the way? You take them to the wilderness. I don't know. You take them out. So they start walking away. And the God actually says in chapter 14, God says, I'm not even going to take you the easy way. I'm specifically going to take you the hard way, he tells Moses. So he takes them the hard way and they end up at a dead end in front of a giant river. And they figure they're going to camp out there until they literally feel, in chapter 14 of Exodus, they feel the ground shaking. Anybody seen Jurassic Park? Come on. Come on. Angie's seen Jurassic Park. It's okay. Movies are not evil. All right. You know, the big dinosaurs come. That's what it feels like when you have chariots and horses bearing down on you out of the frying pan into the fryer. So here are all these Jewish people, no weapons, no training, bunch of mothers and babies, men feeling like they got to protect their families and they got standing in front of marching chariots coming at their back is a river and in front of them is death. What would you do? Would you say to your family, life is full of change but God is good. This change is good. Is that how you rule? Let's look at what the Jewish people said. We go here, Exodus chapter 14, verse 11. Quote, What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? First response to change blame and complain. Men are good at this, by the way. Most men that I know that go through change, the first thing they do is blame someone else or complain about the change. We got to stop this, guys. Blame and complain. This, This is what most of the men did there. Why did you do this? Why did you do this? This is awful. It says, Why did you make us leave Egypt? Why did you make you leave Egypt? Because you prayed to leave Egypt. Isn't that crazy? Sometimes when God actually answers our prayer and change happens, then we get all upset that change is happening. What do you guys expect when you pray? In fact, if there was no change, you'd have no answer to prayer and you'd live the same life. If you're praying, expect God to change something. Yeah, I don't know. That's revelation to me. Back to this blame and complain thing. You know, my kids, they got this new thing going on and it drives me crazy. I think as of today, when they ask me what I want for Father's Day, I'm going to tell them no more this. It's this new way of doing blame and complain. When something bad happens to one of the children, not my children, but theoretical children, when something bad happens and it affects one of them, almost the first thing out of their mouth, any one of them all the way down to Griffin, is this sentence that always starts with these words. This is why. This is why we shouldn't go here. I told you this would happen. This is why, I, you know, I need to go over to my friend's house so I can't be around all of you, or whatever. Whatever comes out of their mouth. It's this is why. It's, it's a fancy way of basically saying, it's not my fault. I told you so. Why are we in this situation? I don't want to be here. All with three words. Change, change. It, it gets into our psyche. It messes us up. Let's look at the next verse. Verse 12, Exodus 14. Backs to the river, fronts to the chariot. They say to God, leave us alone. Quote, let us be slaves to the Egyptians. Really? 400 years in slavery to the Egyptians. They pray God get him out. God got him out. And now they say to him, let us be slaves. The power of God, church. It's possible that they would have never seen the power of God had it not been for the slavery and then the plagues. They saw the power of God with the plagues, and it wasn't enough for them. just wasn't enough. Now their back is to the wall, quite literally, and they say they'd rather be slaves. You know, what fascinates me about this is, without God, I'm fascinated how we often settle Look at what we're willing to settle for without God. Settle for situations because we can't think and we can't do any better. These men standing here facing this challenge didn't include God into the formula despite the fact that God got them there. Despite the fact that God is literally leading them with a pillar of cloud, like floating cloud. He's leading them. And yet not enough. And so when they don't consider God, they settle. They say, you know what? Life was just fine as a slave. At least I wouldn't be dead. What are you settling for today? What is it in your life? What situation, what relationship are you just settling for? Because you can't consider how God could change things. Fathers, when I think about fathers, you know, it happens in so many areas. I don't know. Let's just take one. Stewardship. Maybe you're not an MBA. You don't have a finance major. Maybe you're not good with numbers. Maybe you constantly find yourself living paycheck to paycheck or or spending over your means. Okay, that's your situation. I get it. Don't settle for it. Ask God to change that situation. Look at the word of God and see what he says about tithing and debt and giving and stewardship. You don't understand it? Go seek somebody else out in the church that does. Use God's kingdom to help you change for the better. Amen? Don't settle for situations just because you can't see how God is working. Take any situation. I don't know, maybe you're not a handyman. Maybe you're not a romantic. Maybe you don't feel like you're a good parent. Maybe you're not a great prayer warrior. Don't settle. Don't say, I just want to be a slave. This is our natural reaction. I need to bring it up because this is in the Bible. This is often what happens. If you do settle, if you just say, ah, it's just life. My job's awful. My boss is awful. My family is awful. My kids are awful. My neighborhood's awful. My car's awful. You don't say these out loud, but they get into your psyche. Man, we know. Drive to work. You start processing it. You have a bad day. You know, a lot of these things come up. What's going to happen inevitably? And you're not going to like this, man. You're not going to like it. And I'm going to speak to myself first because I find myself in this situation. And now that I have big kids all the way down to little kids, the little kids learn from the big kids, and now the little kids set me straight. So if you get into the psyche, this is more often what you're going to look like. This is a man-child crying. How often do we find ourselves in the same position? Trapped. Can't provide the way we want. Can't protect the way we want. Things have changed. Things aren't going the way we want. Hey, my message to to men right now in general is just take responsibility. Don't do what my kids say and say, like I said or like I thought. Don't do what my kids do. This is why. No, you had a hand in it more than likely. You did something more than likely. Take some responsibility. Change is coming. Some Some of it may be your fault. And you know what? Other change may come and it may be unwelcome. It may have nothing to do with you but who's going to change it? You can try on your own or you can take some responsibility and take it to the Lord and say, Heavenly Father, despite it being unfair, despite it being scary, despite these changes being unwelcome, you are good. Do something. Give him an opportunity because God is good all the time and all the time requires just a little faith. Lean on it. If you can't Lean on somebody else. We have a whole church full of men. Lean on somebody. And we're starting to do that with our young men and our older generations. We're starting to lean on others. I'm seeing it happen in in circles around the church in small groups and otherwise. It's really important. Otherwise, your wife, the ladies, your prospective wife, she's not going to like no crybaby. Your kids definitely aren't going to like it. Kids will tell you you're being a crybaby dad. Amen? Amen? But look, this is our nature. This is what's happening. And this applies to men and women too. But, you know, I figured I build the men up. I beat them down a little bit. I'm going to build you up. Don't worry. We're going there. All right, let's see what happens next. This is important. This is for the men. So their back's up against the wall. They complain. They'd rather be slaves. They're looking like a crybaby. And look at the advice Moses gives them. Does Moses say, pick up your sword and go fight? Does he find the biggest and strongest one and say, go lead the battle? Does he find the most talented worship leader and say, sing us out of this? Does he find the most talented prayer warrior and say, pray us out of this? What does Moses say? The reason why I didn't tell you to open your Bibles, I want you to be surprised. You probably forgot what he says. Take a look right here. It's the next verse. He says, don't be afraid and just stand still. And Watch the Lord. Watch him rescue you today. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. There comes a time where you're prayed up. You're worshiped up. You're churched up. You've done what you're supposed to do. Now the next thing you're supposed to do is let God do something. Men have the biggest problem with this because we always want to do something. We want to go fight. We want to go protect. We want to go build. We want to go run. We want to do something. Chris is always telling me, stop talking. Let's go do I get it, but there comes a time where we need to allow God into the formula, church. Allow him into the formula. When it comes to providing and protecting, you know, God can protect. He can protect your home at night. He can protect your car in the parking lot. He can protect your wife and your kids. Have you asked him lately to do any of that? Or are you too busy doing it all yourself? There are times where you don't need to do anything Today, men, you do not need to do everything, for sure. God wants to have a place. You also don't need to give in to your circumstances. You need to recognize the Lord. These men, they were about to give in to their circumstances and just bow down and say, just take me. Okay, I'll be a slave. Just take me. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Recognize the Lord. Allow him to fight for you. And what I think is interesting how this ends he says just stay calm is it isn't i don't know that that's what i hear most men trying to tell their wives stay calm and yet god is saying to most of the men here like men seriously just calm down everything's going to be okay the perspective i got when i was looking at this because you guys know what happens right i'm not I'm not hopefully i'm not spill uh, the beans here <laughs> i'm not going to spoil the end of the story am i you guys know what happens the kids all know what happened the Red Sea, you know, it, it opens and they walk through it. You know how this, this ends. So the perspective here is really simple. If things look bad, if it looks really bad, maybe you're looking from the wrong side. You're in the middle of change. You're looking at it. You're saying, man, things look bad. I have a friend who things were going okay for him. Things were bad. And then he hurt himself at work and he had to go through surgery. and Things look, started to look bad for him. And we were talking on the phone, and we were talking about how bad the surgery was, and he couldn't use his arm, he couldn't do what he had to do at work and at home with his kids, and and things just seemed to pile on about the things he couldn't do. And I said to him, hey, what's the other side look like? And we've had this conversation before, and he goes, let me tell you about the other side. He says, I have another friend who just got into a car accident, I mean a motorcycle accident, and is in a coma. He may not come back to life. There's always another side of the story that you're looking at. There's always another side of the perspective that you're in. That's sort of the cardinal one. But if you look at the God version of this, the other side of these people, when they got to the other side of the, of the other side of the river, something amazing happened. Either you know, there are good things and bad things that happen to you. It depends on your perspective on how you're looking at them. There's a show that all the kids are watching these days. Uh, it's called Stranger Things. If you were born in the 80s, you would love it. If not, you probably will hate it. It's kind of like a comedy, drama, horror, you know, but it's all about the 80s. Anyway, the point of this particular show, in this sermon, is that they introduce this idea of an alternate universe, effectively. It's the same universe, the same world we all live in, except in this alternate universe, everything's really bad and dark and scary. Sometimes we walk through life that way. We walk through life thinking that we live in this universe that's dark and bad and scary and unfair. They call it the upside down. Because when it's right side up and you look at what's happening in reality, in reality God is good. God is doing something. God is working. Those plagues, Chris, they, if, I, if I was God's people or not, a Jewish, an Israelite or not, I'd probably be pretty scared when it starts raining frogs, and people get boils, and the flies start coming in, and people are dying all around me. How do you look at it? The good side or the bad? The Red Sea. I asked my son about the Red Sea. He goes, "That it doesn't look red to me. It looks pretty blue. God got this one wrong. The Red Sea splits. Now that we see it from that perspective, and we see him from the other side, we're like, hey, this isn't so bad. I'm really glad God put him in this situation. Maybe you're like, ah, I get it, but you're, you're dragging too much out of the interpretation here, Pastor Sean. You know, I, I like to see it in the Bible. Like, is what you're saying about this perspective, about seeing different things and seeing things God way, is it in the Bible? I want to see it. Sure, let's take a look at that. Remember that cloud we were talking about? So God said, ah, the people are a little fickle. They probably won't go the, the bad way, the tough way, the hard way, unless they f- see something amazing. So, so he comes down as an angel, and he comes as a cloud, a pillar, like a floating pillar in front of them that they could follow. And then at night, it turns into a pillar of fire so they can see it. And so they're following this cloud, and they get to this river, the Red Sea, and the cloud ain't going anymore. It stopped at the river. And they're like, okay, now what do I do? Well, you saw what they did. They complain, They offer to be slaves again. And then this happens. It says the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them change i could end right here i'm not going to because i'm excited i worked hard on this message but think about this for a second how many times do people come to me and say oh i'm in ministry and god is good i'm at this church and god's doing something and and i'm reading my bible and i'm praying and i feel the spirit and or a couple years ago you know i was speaking in tongues and it gets the the spirit working in me but now it's not the same I don't feel God's presence. I don't see God's presence. I need to go to another church. I need to have another pastor. I need to read different scriptures. Really? Isn't God the same yesterday, today, and in the scriptures the same yesterday, today, and forever? They will not return void. What? You need, you need to change what? How about you stop changing and allow God to do the change today? Amen? My point is, he very well may start from in front of you and he may move behind you. And you may get pretty upset at that. Where'd you go, God? I don't see you anymore. Hey, God, where are you? I can't feel you. Hey, God, I feel alone. You left me. I know the Bible says you'll never leave me, but I feel left. Where are I? I can't touch you. I can't see you. Why? Why? Change is uncomfortable. God's leaving. Things are not what they seem. Things are not what they seem. You see, that's the point of change. They're not what they seem. Read just the next part of the verse, verse 19. The next part says, and still behind them, coming in between the armies of Egypt and Israel, God was literally leaving their current path and providing a hedge of protection before their enemy before you ask where God is in your life and why you don't feel him, what you're doing, maybe God's not here to make you feel good. And maybe, just maybe, because of your prayer life, God has stopped attending to your emotional needs and he's protecting something much bigger in your life. Maybe your family, your health, your your spiritual walk, I don't know, but but he's probably doing something pretty big because the God I know is when I can't see him, when I can't feel him, I know he's working. Amen? Okay, so you're seeing it the same way I'm seeing it in verse 19, verse 19. But it's kind of funny. You know, I, I imagine when God was doing all this stuff, he's like, I wonder if one day somebody will notice this and preach it, because I just got so excited. This isn't, this is NVBS. I'm adding it. I hope that's okay, Pastor Chris. But as I got into the scripture, I realized the thing about change not being what it seems and things being different than what it seems and perspective, looking at it from another side. When this cloud went behind them, verse 20 happens. I skimmed right over it. I've read verse 20 a hundred times, but today it meant something different. Let's look at verse 20. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.